0: Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show. Great to have you with us. Our intent, always, is to fight to preserve our national values of truth and justice and, of course, the American way of life. And that fight gets tougher, it seems, with every passing day. But undaunted, let's get to the truth as we know it today. And it all begins with a Trump truth post on Truth Social, in which he said an illegal leak indicates the Manhattan district attorney intends to arrest him in connection with a porn star, Stormy Daniels' case, perhaps as soon as Tuesday. And just like that, all hell's a-poppin'. Elon Musk tweeting that if they arrest Trump, Trump will win by a landslide in 2024. Now, personally, I think he'll do that anyway. We're just talking degrees of landslide here now the george soros backed radical left district attorney alvin bragg first declined to prosecute trump at all then under pressure surely from soros and the marxist faction of the party which is the dominant part of the party in new york he reversed himself and revived a case that's been seven years in the making including allegations of an affair with daniels that trump denied ever happened Hush payments, he denied, ever happened. If ever there were a clear appearance of pure political persecution, this is certainly in the running for the top prize. And what do the Marxist Dems really want here? This is for all appearances, their run at a third impeachment, a third special counsel. And believe me, only the maddest of the Marxist Dems could even pretend they have the moral high ground here. They are what they appear. They are venal, corrupt, creepy, and evil, and scary even. They're perfectly willing to take the country to the edge, and for what? Just a psyops campaign against the man the Marxist and corporatists, the pervs and pedos fear most in the White House, because Trump will most certainly this time do everything he can to drain the damn swamp. So. With banks failing, others on the verge, anxious investors on edge, we have a Biden regime that's seeking to send our troops to Ukraine to fight toe-to-toe, foot-to-foot, in nuclear war with the Ruskies, as Slim Pickens said in the movie Dr. Strangelove, or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Notice I said toe-to-toe with the Ruskies, but didn't say shoulder-to-shoulder with our good friends the Euros because it's very likely, if it comes to that, we'll be spending our money in the war, sending our troops to fight it. That's not good, not our fight, and certainly not our troops' job to save Europe once again. Let's stop the warmongering-impaired puppet president before he gets Americans killed. More Americans killed. And we know the Marxist-dim cabal that pulls his strings would love nothing better. The answer to the Marxists on war in Europe is straightforward. Hell no. I certainly hope the idiot senators of both parties who want to send not only hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine, but also thousands of our troops, understand that we won't stand for sending more of our troops to fight and die in wars that simply aren't ours. Stop the madness. We've got enough to deal with here at home. And please, everybody, remember that, and remind everyone else, America is our home. Demand respect. Even in tough times, and these are tough times getting tougher, and that is no accident, believe you me. It is the purpose of the Biden regime, and they are, to this point, succeeding wildly. Heightened tensions with China, with Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Russia— The economy stagnating as hyperinflation roils markets and takes food off Americans' kitchen tables and cash out of their wallets. The median household net worth is a terrible number. It has now reached zero. We are truly a nation divided along a very important line, not just between those who have and have not, but also those who have an awful lot and those who have almost nothing. Biden and his Marxist puppet masters did that. Not you, but them. They did that to us in just over two years. Our guest today is a great American journalist. He is a great American. Our guest is John Solomon, founder and editor-in-chief of JustTheNews.com. John, it's great to have you with us. Banks crashing, banks failing, regulators AWOL. Now regulators want to bail out big depositors,
1: including big Chinese depositors. Your thoughts? Well, listen, there are two storylines that every expert we've talked to, including members of Congress like Brian Stile, who were briefed last night. They got a private briefing from the Treasury Department. And there are two very important storylines. One is, particularly when it comes to the Silicon Valley Bank, their woke agenda contributed to their failure. And what do I mean by that? While they were losing large amounts of investment, uh, uh, racking up large investment losses last summer, in fact, during their July earnings call, uh, some of the JP Morgan folks said, hey, you just lost 8% in a quarter on your investments. Normally, only a bad quarter. We think two or three. What's up? And they're like, well, hey, don't worry. We're doing ESG. We're doing CRT. Put all the alphabet soups in their DEI. Uh, They were so focused on their woke agenda of uh, environmental, social governance, DEI, diversity, um, uh, uh, inclusion, and uh, their green uh, climate investment that they were not looking at the bottom line. They were not adjusting to the economic realities that were affecting the very people they were making investments with. So that's the first part. Woke led to broke. That's something that now we have some great documents we put up on the site yesterday so people could literally see the conversations of what the bank was focused on when investors were raising red alarms saying, hey, something's wrong with your bottom line here. The second part is there is a direct line, according to the people who've been briefed, between Joe Biden's excessive spending, the trillions of extra spending he's poured onto the economy the last two years, and the bank phase. And it goes this way. A lot more government spending brings a lot more government inflation. Government inflation brings a lot more interest rate hikes to slow down the red hot economy. And it was those interest rate hikes that sunk a lot of the risky tech investments that uh, this Silicon Valley bank was making. So Joe Biden's big spending ultimately has a cyclical effect on the bank. Now, in fairness, the bank had mismanagement. It didn't adjust, according to the people that were briefed last night, to the fact that there was going to be high interest rates. Everybody knows interest rates have to go up when inflation goes up. They didn't make the adjustments, but the Biden economy is really the root cause of this woke bank ultimately going belly up. And that those are the two things that have come out of our reporting in the last 24 hours.
0: And as you say, you it, chronicled it well in uh, Just the News, talking about the, the liberal uh, investment uh, atmospherics and, and the reality and by the way, they didn't have to look too far. No. They're just simply perhaps pay attention to the Fed, Federal Reserve bulletins, and they would understand it. Or if they turn to their investment officers or they turn to their risk management people. By the way, apparently their number one, their top yeah. risk uh, management uh, person uh, left nine months ago. And speaking of not making an adjustment, they didn't replace her. Yeah. Uh, this bank uh, is, you know, perilously close uh, to meeting the definition of bad, bad management.
1: Yeah, listen, that's a, the message that the lawmakers have been briefed on it. It's the message that you hear from even Democrats. I mean, there was a very sharp uh, assessment over the weekend from Rocon, the congressman in whose district this bank was based, saying the uh, Biden, you know, the economy moves at the speed of Twitter, and the Biden administration can't move that fast. That's a real problem when Democrats recognize their own president and his fiscal apparatus wasn't up to the job of reacting to something. Now, quite frankly, we're now learning that this was kind of a slow motion wreck. Like the, actually, while the last few days were, you know, the this expedient process of the bank failing very quickly, the warning signs were there. Last spring and summer when the earnings report started to show, I think it was $150 million loss in a single quarter, about 8% loss in investments in a single quarter. That's a bad quarter for any bank. And you could see JP Morgan and others starting to raise red flags. Where was the United States government. And the question a lot of banking committee members are asking people like Brian Stile was, because this bank was so woke, because it was uh, championing all the things that the far left and Joe Biden's administration cherishes, did regulators give them a pass? Say, oh, they're doing the right thing. We're not going to worry about their fiscal state until it was too late. I think that's going to be the fundamental question of oversight that Congress is going to have to ask here. Did the woke uh, coverage that this bank have blind uh, the, uh, the Biden administration from seeing the problem and reacting and intervening much earlier in the process.
0: Well, I think that your your narrative, and that is the wokeness of these banks, spoke to the recklessness of these banks. Uh, there are six now on the uh, watch list. Yeah, uh, and I think that most people may be a little surprised that there are only six because yeah. uh, in the initial hours, it looked like this thing might be a lot bigger. When I referred to the bad management of uh, SVB, there's also some good news in that, uh, that if indeed we could make the uh, somewhat uh, modest assumption that that level of bad management isn't in existence in a lot of other institutions. Yeah. Uh, this I, It's an inconceivable almost that management would not be alert to a changing uh, if you will, environment uh, for risk uh, for investment uh, and certainly for their banks. Uh, but uh, it, it's just point, to me stunning to think that Signature Bank that uh, yeah. aligned uh, Barney Frank significantly. Yeah, a former congressman, former uh, author of a very important bill, yeah, sitting on the board of Signature Bank. My gosh, well, talk about wokeness personified. That would
1: be Barney Frank. Yeah, yeah, listen, uh, there is a a warning lesson here that I think is going to carry across every part of our government because the same wokeness that blinded these banks to their own mission to protect investors uh, also seems to be blinding our military leaders from training the right way our soldiers or scaring soldiers from wanting to even join the military for fear they'll be reprimanded for using the wrong pronoun. The wokeness, the utopian view of this wokeness movement is so divorced from the reality of what institutions must be doing to do their job armies are supposed to be prepared to fight war banks are supposed to protect people's money that this is a warning sign for any other part of the economy or the political sectors that have gone woke esg funds right if you're in esg hey maybe you should get back to just finding the highest return on investment not the one that makes your climate uh activist uh, happy There is a warning sign that I think carries across many sectors of government. And the question is, will that warning sign be read the right way? Will people go back and say, you know, we better get back to the basics enough with this utopian, uh, ideological, liberal uh, dream that we've been trying to live through? That is, I think, the the moment that the country finds itself. And now the question is, will its leaders be up to the challenge?
0: Indeed. And the challenges are many because we have principal institutions on Wall Street driving ASG. Uh, But they're also driving China markets. And it's one of the things that we have to, I hope that our financial institutions committees in both the Senate and the House are paying great attention to this because I think it's an essential element of the weakness that we're seeing and the reason for some of the volatility we're seeing definitely in our equities markets uh, and the strains on commercial banks. And that is channeling American capital Uh, whether they're retirement funds for American workers, uh, government workers, whatever they may be, directing obviously and directly that money to investment overseas, in particular China. China is getting money that is desperately needed for investment in the United States, and there's no hearing on it. There is no discussion about it, but it is a very real threat uh, to, to this country and i
1: remember watching you many years ago begin to raise this alarm years before congress caught up to the threat years before joe biden caught up to the threat cuz he was telling us in 2019 hey china's not our enemy they're not our competition they're good people you're all overblown you were you were sounding the alarm on this and i think what's really interesting is i've been going back and looking through some of the congressional reports that were done that maybe didn't get the right attention but in Early 2021, Devin Nunes, before he left Congress and went to the Truth Social uh, Company, he put out a report, 10 American companies that were significantly funding Chinese interests tied to the military. That Mm -hmm. should have been a, a, a roaring headline. Now, we had it at Just the News, but most of the other media didn't cover it. That's a real problem. Last December, just before we were heading into the holidays, the House Intelligence Committee put out a report. Uh, uh, most of it was classified. They did an unclassified version for the public, but it was the holidays. No one paid attention. Justin News did have it, but others didn't. And it said, "Listen, the Wuhan Institute of Virology has direct connections to the United States or to the Chinese military that's been involved in bio warfare." Think about that. Tony Fauci is sending funds to an institution that our own intelligence community knew was involved in bio warfare. There is so much evidence that Americans are funding. China's efforts to hasten the American demise. We've got to stop that. We can't contribute to our own demise. I think people are just beginning to wake up with it. Chairman Gallagher with the new China uh, subcommittee seems to be on the right path on some of these things. The question is, does official Washington have enough will to make the changes once we highlight? It's one thing to highlight it. we got to change course, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of course changers in uh, government today
0: there doesn't but there there are a lot more than there were thanks to
1: That's
0: the true 118th Congress. Uh, i am hopeful for gallagher i'm not uh, persuaded yet yeah. that, uh, of his political view and whether or not his uh, he has a sustainable uh, interest in right. assuring the that the united states is responding to its number one enemy in the world and that is the ccp uh, it's going to be interesting to see. But speaking of the 118th Congress, uh, James Comer, the chairman of the <laughs> House Oversight Committee, who has been relentless on this issue of the SARS, the, uh, the suspicious activity reports that the Treasury Department has been refusing to turn over to him for, I, I suppose, it's well over a year uh, because he was in the minority. He started demanding as soon as the Oversight Committee is uh, up he started demanding those all again. And guess what? Big news today. Yeah. He's
1: going to get them on Hunter Biden and the Biden family. Yeah, listen, he's taking the approach that the 2017 Republican Congress simply didn't take with its leadership under Paul Ryan. He is not waiting. He's not playing the delay game. He's like, listen, I know you're going to delay me. So let's just get past the dance and let's get right to the rumble. And so he immediately summoned a uh, senior treasury official. You don't want to give me the documents now that I'm the chairman? Come before my committee and see what that feels like. And the, the the official said, you know what? I'd prefer not to come. How about I give you the documents? And he literally <clears throat> cajoled his way into getting the documents very quickly. That's important. What you see with James Comer right now, and you know, a lot of people ask me a year ago, is he up to the task? And I've been watching him and getting to know him. I really think he's up to the task. And what's most interesting about him and his staff is what they're doing. They're running their investigation the way the good old mob prosecutors, people like Rudy Giuliani years ago, how they rolled up mob cases to get to the top of the food chain. Get the little guy, roll him up, roll on the next guy. If someone gets in the way, let him know it's going to be uncomfortable quickly. Don't waste time uh, being polite. And all of a sudden, things are falling into place. Just think about the last two weeks. He got Eric Schwerwin, Hunter Biden's closest business associate, the man between Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and a lot of financial transactions, he's now a cooperating witness. He got the Treasury Department to give up the SARS. He's got uh, email and other exchanges that were not part of the laptop that other witnesses have provided. He's moving very quickly and he's rolling up a very large group of witnesses and data so that by the time he gets to Hunter Biden and James Biden and the president, he's got everything. There's nothing he doesn't know. And Joe Biden and, um, Hunter Biden and James Biden, whoever else may be involved, they're not going to be able to wiggle their way out of the ambiguity. That's what he's been pursuing. It looks very much like the successful mob prosecutors I covered in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s.
0: And and Comer is still, even though he's getting what he wanted, and this to me is the mark of a great investigator, he's not happy and he is not going to uh, lift a, a glass in toast. Oh, no. He is so angry that it took everything he could throw at them for them to respond and do what they should have done the first time, That's the great. right time and the right way. And we're still, and and God bless uh, Comer. Uh, he's demanding that there be an attitude change across all of government and there be meaningful oversight. And
1: I say, hallelujah. Yeah, I agree. Listen, there's one stick that I think Republicans are using effectively. It isn't very visible, but it is a very real threat which is if you're going to defy us, listen, we know the Biden Justice Department's not going to prosecute you like they prosecuted Steve Bannon. We know how that's going to go. But guess what? We own the purse strings. That's what our founding fathers gave us. And if you don't comply when the new fiscal year starts October 1st, guess what? Your salary is going to be $1. See if you can live on $1 as a bureaucrat. That threat has, I've talked to several bureaucrats that are in the crossfire of some of these committees. That threat has woken them up. Wait a second. This is going to affect my personal pocketbook okay, maybe I don't want to hold the line as much as I do. And I think that's a secret weapon that's being used behind the scenes. The penalty won't come to October 1st because Mitch McConnell gave away this year's fiscal budget to the Democrats. But October 1st, Republicans are going to just defund people who don't cooperate. It's going to be hard to live on $1 a year in Washington. I think that's becoming a very powerful tool behind the scenes, and they're serious about it. They do intend to defund people who don't cooperate.
0: And even that $1... By that standard, they will still be overpaid. That's what a lot of people would say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to turn to a number of things here, John, if I may. Uh, the Libs are saying that uh, China money, uh, and I I wanted to talk about this just, just a moment ago, but uh, when we're talking about the banks, we're talking about bailing out Chinese venture funds in SVB, and perhaps other banks as well. Yeah. That is... That is to me is disgusting because we learned in 2009 what that meant. We saw Federal yes. reserve money, we saw treasury money pouring across borders that's every right. which direction. Uh, that we didn't learn a lesson in that. Oh yes, we did. Biden may not have, but his refusal to say that they will not be subsidizing Chinese venture funds yeah. uh, as depositors in SVB,
1: that's outrageous. Yeah, listen, here's how the system works. And you know this, you you explain it better than anyone. The FDIC is an insurance program. If it needs more money than what's in the pot, and by the way, there's only $130 billion in the FDIC pot and you have banks of failures totaling about 350 billion right now, what are they going to do? They're going to raise the insurance rates overnight for banks. By the way, that's going to put more banks into fiscal trouble, right? So, going And what do you think the banks are going to do? They're not going to say, oh, geez, out of the goodness of our heart, we're just going to pay this out of our pocket. We're going to take it out of our earnings and our salaries. Heck no. You know what they're going to do? They're going to pass those costs on to the American public. So we're ultimately going to pay for it. And just Joe Biden is using semantics to say taxpayers won't pay for it. When those new fees go up for the FDIC to cover whatever losses they're going to cover, The Mm -hmm. banks are just going to pass it on. They always pass on the cost because they've got a bottom line and earnings to to attend to. So it's ultimately going to get passed on to the American public. And at some point, the fee may become so high to the banks that you put more into trouble. And then they're going to have to go to Congress and say, "Uh, we said no taxpayer money, but now we need it because we can't tip more banks into failure. Uh, This is a game of semantics that Joe Biden ultimately is not going to win. The American people are way too smart for it
0: and getting smarter by the day. Yes. The the idea that uh, depositors in excess of the FDIC insured $250,000 are being bailed out uh, is uh, I, I mean that is a tough tough deal. Yep. And let's be very clear ladies and gentlemen. This is about political IOUs yeah. and Silicon Valley has a bunch of those sure uh, with Biden's name all over them. And this is the attempt to get him to do a payback by buying out, uh, paying uh, for those depositors who had millions, some of them, uh, tens of millions, and a few hundreds of millions of dollars in that bank. Too bad. That isn't
1: the way this should be handled in any way. Lou, you're really right about the capital cronyism, too. Uh, One of the elements we had in our story last night that's got a lot of attention is, while this bank was starting to suffer losses, it made a $100,000 contribution to Gavin Newsom's wife and her favorite liberal uh, nonprofit. It, it shows up in the California Ethics Reports. We dug this up yesterday. We've been talking about it. So they're, they're making friends even as their ship is taking on water. How many times have we seen that? Sort of like Sam Bankman-Fried, right? We saw him giving out money when his ship was going down. We can go all the way back to the banking scandals of the 90s when John McCain got caught up in, Silverado, or, uh, in um, Keating 5, uh, this is a old Arizona. yeah, Arizona, right? You, uh, this is an old-fashioned corruption thing. Banks in trouble start to make friends, so hope the trouble won't be too bad for the executives. And you're seeing that now, the Gavin Newsom thing really stands out to us as an unusual investment and you know, the potential conflict of interest, why the ethics rules required that report to be filed because Gavin Newsom is getting a heck of a gift from uh, to his wife through this bank that's under his regulatory authority. Uh, I think we're going to learn more about who else got benefits and gifts over the next few weeks from some of these banks.
0: Yeah, yeah California SNLs were prominent uh, uh, during the SNL crisis, sure. as were the Arizona banks I just referred to: Keating Five, uh, Lincoln Savings and Loan, those institutions, and. Uh, People have a little bit of a historical continuity to look at here when we talk about First Republic Bank, which was yep. started as a savings and loan. It sure so was. We have a continuing historical line to follow in all of it. I I, I love your story on uh, on just the news. House GOP presses gallery owner on. Hunter Biden art sales. And I think this is something that people really need to pay a lot of attention to and and follow on Just the News because this just doesn't quit with these these Bidens.
1: Uh, Explain how that's working. Well, listen, uh, after he gave up, what he said was he was giving up the foreign uh, money gig, right? So he, for 10 years while Joe Biden was vice president and running for president, he had the foreign money gig. He made money in China. He made money in Ukraine. He made money in Russia, almost always from oligarchs, people that on our side of the fence in America were already flagged as suspicious characters. That's why there are it's 170 plus uh, suspicious activity reports that James Comeridge had got his hands on. If you're not dealing with suspicious people, you usually don't get suspicious activity reports filed by banks. <laughs> so uh, Hunter Biden was playing that game. Then he said, all right, I'm done. I know my father's going to be president. We're not going to do this anymore. And then he suddenly took up art, which uh, Hunter Biden doesn't strike me as the artist type. Maybe I'm wrong, but he didn't seem like uh, the, the sort of Picasso in making that we've been looking for. And all of a sudden, this guy comes out of the blue and starts representing him. And there is a great fear that maybe some Overseas people bought these paintings at exorbitant fees to keep the the money flowing to the Biden family, and Congress can't get an answer from the art dealer. And so, once again, the impatient James Comer—and I, I use the word impatient in a positive way—he's not sitting down. He's going to bring this. He's going to force this guy to come before Congress. Maybe take the fifth. Um, <clears throat> he is not going to stop until we find every source of cash flowing into the Biden family, because. There's a belief that it just didn't stop, that they didn't magically stop being greedy uh, on January 21st, 2021. And so they know there are back doors. They're looking for those back doors. Uh, This uh, art gallery looks like one. Again, the the art gallery dealer deserves the benefit of the doubt. But if he's got nothing to hide, then he should just tell Congress what he knows and they can move on to something else. This is going to become a very fun fight in the summer. I think you're going to see James Comer not back down until he gets the answers that the American people deserve.
0: Well, uh, terrific reporting as always, and I and I just want to get a sense from you. What do you think, how long do you think it'll take for those suspicious activity reports to be put uh, in front of his committee and investigators?
1: I think they're going to see him this week. That's what I've been told, um, uh, that they're going to go into a reading room and get to take notes and and do it. And you know, remember, Ron Johnson and Chuck Grassley got a chance to look at some of these mm-hmm. back in 2020. There were some they weren't shown then, so there's going to be new ones. That's very exciting. I do think that over the next uh, two weeks, they're going to have the sort of roadmap between Eric Schwerin cooperating and having, you know, real firsthand knowledge of what Joe and Hunter were telling him in real time. Uh, And then this, and then I think there's a tranche of documents they're trying to get from another business partner, uh, Devin Archer, the man who was convicted in a tribal fraud. He's waiting to go to prison. There's another body of documents there. I think when they have those three sets of documents, they're going to have the most complete narrative that we've had to date of where Joe and Hunter made their money, how they made it, who they made it from, how many more free diamonds and interest-free forgivable loans did they get from China, Russia, whatever. And then I think the real hearings begin. And then the pressure is Hunter Biden, Tim Biden, are you going to testify? Are you going to take the fifth? And then there's another pressure here, which is, hey, prosecutors, you've had this for five years. If we're finding it in Congress, when are you going to do your job and bring some criminal charges? I think all that plays out by Mid to late spring. I think by Memorial Day we will have some new bombshell revelations and a much more complete accounting of the Hunter Biden uh, racket, that, where he made all of his money overseas.
0: And uh, and you have to think about that U.S. district, that U.S. attorney, yeah, in Delaware, yep, who's had all that material for uh, investigative material on Hunter Biden for over four years. Yeah. The pressure on him right now. I don't know what the consequences or what might follow as a result of his uh, innervation, but it should be significant uh, because of his just outright dereliction of responsibilities.
1: I think there was a big clue. I've been watching this very closely, Lou, and I think there was a big clue in, in exchange between Senator Chuck Grassley, one of the wily senators who've been protecting whistleblowers and uh, highlighting wrongdoing for a long time. He was a guy that cracked the code and allowed us to understand Hillary Clinton actually paid for the dossier. So Chuck Grassley's been around for years, turning the FBI and others upside down. He had this very pointed exchange with Merrick Garland where Merrick Garland was extremely uncomfortable. Raising the question, is it possible that the Delaware prosecutor has a criminal case and someone in your bureaucracy is stopping it? And he couldn't answer the question. He kind of fumbled and bumbled and got very nervous. I think we're going to learn of something going on in Washington that may be affecting the Delaware prosecutor in the next few weeks. If that comes out, Everything that we've been told about the independence of that prosecutor will be called into question. But there, there it wasn't an accident that Chuck Grassley asked such pointed questions. And as I've done some reporting, I think we're going to learn some big stuff in the next couple of weeks. I, it's an area that I would focus on. One other place I want to mention that's a big focus today. And I just got off the phone with the House Administration Committee Chairman. So I want to mention this to you. Republicans have long hated Obamacare. We know why it's a manipulated market. They they have it that goes against their free market conservative values. But there is a new reason to be very suspicious of Obamacare. Over the last few days, Congress was notified that because it was forced to buy its insurance through the Obamacare exchange in Washington, D.C., known as the D.C. Health Link, they had all of their private data stolen by a hacker uh, who hacked the D.C. Health Link. This is a major controversy. It's just starting to erupt in, in Congress. The congressional Administrative office just uh, informed members and their lawmakers, you were breached. We don't know who yet. Congressman Style, the Chairman House Administration says, listen, probably a foreign actor, Obamacare and a foreign actor, two things we don't like in the Republican Party. I think we're going to learn a lot more about that as well. Another reason to distrust all the big government things that have been built over the last 12 years, they keep failing us, whether it's a bank or a health, in- a health insurance uh, exchange or something else that the government got involved in, big government, big fails.
0: And uh, and the Department of Justice and FBI, and the list goes on.
1: Uh, I look forward
0: to to learning more about that. We'll be following on Just the News. I do have one just final question here, because talking about uh, Washington, we haven't seen any more J6 video out of Tucker Carlson since last Tuesday. Uh, That follows the threat by Chuck Schumer and a number of others. Is there a
1: correlation in your judgment, or, and do you have any reason to believe so? Uh, listen, uh, Tucker Carlson doesn't strike me as a sort of guy that's going to listen to Chuck Schumer at any point. Um, I, I don't think so. I think there's another element going on here, and that is that there's a realization that many of these defendants, even though there was a Brady obligation of the United States government, may not have been given the uh, video footage that might have been exculpatory or explanatory to their defense. And so I think there's a pause as people become to uh, grasp this. I have heard from people inside uh, the U.S. Justice Department, there's at least 30 defendants that now said, hey, I didn't get video footage. I didn't know there was video footage of me. I think there's a growing concern in law enforcement that there may be a Brady violation. I think there's some things going on behind the scenes. I've been talking to Kevin McCarthy's people If Tucker Carlson decides, I'm just interested in something else, I'm moving on to China or whatever, uh, I think Kevin McCarthy is going to make all the video available at some point. But the first step may be making it available to defendants because they have a frontline interest while their cases are working through the courts or if they're in prison convicted already. So I think that may go there. And then I think you'll see a general release where you and I and every other American can go through there. And that'll be fun because there's 40,000 hours of video, right? We can crowdsource (laughs) this and have. Uh, Lou Dobbs fans going through the video and, and we, we may learn some stuff that uh, other eyes didn't see, but I, I think there'll be complete accountability and visibility. I think the realization that defendants may not have been given the video has created a little hiccup that slowed this down, but I'd be looking for a mass disclosure of the videos separate of uh, Tucker Carlson in the next few weeks. All
0: right. The, the video that he did uh, run on his, uh, on his uh, program yeah. uh, was extraordinary, and was. he brought the he brought the the Marxist Dems up on their heels. Uh, I was not suggesting he wasn't right. uh, choosing to do oh, uh, right. uh, to run them with the story. I was suggesting perhaps his uh, owners yeah. uh, were. Well, that were could be.
1: It's it very possible. I think Ron Johnson has brought up something that I think may be the ultimate bombshell in this video. He keeps talking about a door that his staff was allowed to watch in the security footage where 300 people were allowed to come in and pass through the door uh, with cops watching. In some cases, cop helping them come in. If that happened, that means 300 of the thousand people that got into the Capitol that day may have been voluntarily let into the Capitol. If Senator Johnson's view of that footage is an accurate uh, accounting, and I have no reason to doubt him. He's been very accurate Mm -hmm. in the past. That should trouble all of us because that would have been kept off the table for two years. It changes the narrative in a big way, and it looks an awful like what Tucker Carlson just showed us of that one guy, the shaman, shaman, whatever they call him, walking through with police escort. Uh, There may have been an element here that uh, is more voluntary uh, than we knew, and that could change the narrative and give us some real heartburn about how people have been portrayed over the last two years.
0: We know that the judges uh, and the prosecutors have both overcharged and oversentenced every single one of those political prisoners on J6. Uh, there's going to be an accounting for that as well. Yeah. And this video that Tucker showed just uh, last, I believe it was last Tuesday or Monday, <laughs> uh, of the shaman, uh, as I say, you, you may be, you know, it could be shaman, shaman. But the man was walking through with an escort, uh, and they were doing everything but having a beer together as they were going. Uh, It seemed like an amicable and warm relationship between the police officers and and uh the shaman this is a counter to everything we were told by the prosecutors and by the way i truly believe the justice department prosecutors uh should get down on their knees and pray to god uh for forgiveness for what they've done yeah. and these judges these judges are out emmett sullivan involved ended for crying out loud uh absolutely ridiculous one person cleared Sixty seven trials and only one person found not guilty. That is appalling and disgusting and on its face, corrupt. You get the last word as always, John.
1: Oh, thank you. Listen, you said it very eloquently. And I I think that this dual system of justice, which you and I started talking about when we got to Russia collusion and it came through Ukraine, we can go on and on. Uh, It is most pronounced in this moment with J6 because you have J6 prisoners sitting in prison for uh, now uh, many, many months, some over more than a year, who are accused of committing crimes that are less than people, uh, crimes who have been convicted in the summer of twenty twenty violence uh, that were similar protests were occurring across the way. And we've been told there's only an either-or narrative. Either everyone acted badly or no one acted badly. And I think we're going to find out, hey, there were some people that assaulted a police officer and sprayed pepper spray. Shame on them. They should get prosecuted. But a lot of people may have been let in by police and got the wrong message from police. And how do you punish a person if an officer lets you in and says it's okay to come in? I think that's the point we're going to reach in the next few months. And I think we're going to have to reassess everything that the media, the intelligence and police apparatus, and of course, the the January 6th Committee Democrats and um, uh, Liz Cheney told us. There is a much more complicated, nuanced story, and we were told it was a horror movie. It's a little bit different than the horror movie we've been told. Without
0: uh, without a doubt. And I I truly believe until we find out the number of FBI uh, agents, informants, and instigators uh, on Capitol Hill that day the Ray Epps of the world, and have a an explanation from the lips of the Attorney General Merrick Garland, as well as an apology. Not a single single defendant should be held by the in the Bureau the Federal Bureau of Prisons. This is an outrage, uh,
1: and we're a long way from the truth. The American people gave us a very strong statement, didn't they? They made the song that President Trump and the J six prisoners did together the number one song in America for five days. That is a statement from the silent majority in America. They have some concerns. Hey, they know some people did some bad things that day. No one's sugarcoating that. But for that song to go to number one tells you there's a large number of people that understand there's something not right about this case.
0: And that there's great hope for this great republic after all. Uh, and one of the reasons is John Solomon. John, we thank you for being with us. We appreciate everything you do uh, for the country. And God bless you.
1: Thank you, Lou. A great honor to be on your show, as always.
0: Thanks, everybody, for being with us. Here tomorrow, our guest will be at the War Room, Steve Bannon. We'll be taking up failing banks, a persecuted president, a Biden regime filled with hyenas, and a Congress for the first time in a half century, taking the fight to the radical dim establishment. Please join us here tomorrow. Until then, God bless you. God bless America.